Hi, this is David. I bet you've heard the saying that food is medicine. But the thing is, we also want our food to be quick and tasty. Factor has the solution. Their delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. They deliver prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including Kato, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and more. Plus, there's extra things to enjoy. They have over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, like snacks and smoothies, that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. You'll be glad to hear that Factor is affordable. I've done the math. and Factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash living50 and use code living50 to get 50% off. That's code living50 at factormeals.com slash living50 to get 50% off. Thank you. Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from The Power of Mental Demand by Herbert Edward Law, published in 1916. Riches that are obtained under proper conditions represent not merely an accumulation of money. They develop and broaden our mental and moral forces. The love of money that is the root of all evil is the covetousness of avarice, the love of money for its own sake. When acquiring money from this motive, there is no growth of larger and better power, no uplift no rising to a wider vision. Everything that is of value as a force is capable of benefit or harm. The force of the mind can be directed either for evil or for good. Reverie and rest can easily degenerate into laziness and dreamy longings, or they can be directed and utilized to build upon present forces and draw to us those that are beneficial. If riches flow through proper channels, they have the greatest possible power for good. In modern life, they make possible all the great achievements. Wealth cannot buy us friends, but it is a means of introduction by which we can gain valuable friendships. Wealth is not a universal or infallible measure of success, but it points the way and furnishes the means. It is both an incentive and a goal. Refinement, high ideals, and high achievements are greatly affected by their surroundings and by the inspiration which comes from perfect contentment and a condition favorable to their growth. It is just as impossible to rear healthy and normal children in closed rooms with a stifling atmosphere, poor nourishment, and restricted opportunities 
as it is to develop ideas, concepts, great plans, and high-spirited accomplishments under starved mental conditions. That riches are misused, just as all other force powers are, is true, but their misuse is not the consequence of their existence, neither does it diminish their power for good. It is essential to have everything around us just as neat, just as attractive, just as tasteful, just as healthy and inspiring in its influence as possible. It is injurious to have things look mean, contracted, unpleasant, uncongenial, or undesirable. Strong characters have surmounted all difficulties and risen to a point where they are able to surround themselves with these helpful influences. And from that time on, they achieve still greater things. At the same time, they could have accomplished even greater things if their opportunities had been greater, and if the conditions surrounding them had sooner expanded their forces. It is necessary in all this discussion to keep constantly in mind that the misuse of forces must not be construed as a characteristic of the forces. Individuals of large achievement in all ages have almost invariably been rich or financially prosperous, or they at least have been people of large earning capacity. Washington, Hancock, Adams, revolutionary heroes, Disraeli, Gladstone, Bismarck, European statesmen of unchallenged accomplishment, are a few examples. Their wealth, or what is potentially the same thing, their earning power, freed them from that physical drudgery, which often chains up or destroys half of the achievements of great lives. High ideals are made more possible of realization by favorable conditions. Wealth is not the consequence of industry, but the consequence of a high conception, which is then followed by a high quality of effort. Thousands of people are industrious, but they never acquire wealth. The essential thing is that industry be applied to a high conception, to a high ideal, to a high possibility. And this possibility will not grow out of mean conditions, any more than purity will grow out of vice. Mere saving does not bring wealth. Thousands scrimp and economize all their lives. They squander when they think they save. They spend more vitality, energy, and effort in saving than in earning. They associate with and have entertainments and surroundings which are not calculated to develop the best that is in them, or to bring about that high grade of force which makes every effort more potential. They narrow their outlook and restrict their efforts, and therefore their living is an extravagance and not an economy. All their acts are devoid of judgment, are not the consequence of well-stimulated, well-fed, 
mental forces, and consequently their investments are unfortunate. They put their money where it is insecure and is lost. You can call to mind any number of cases of this kind. They make the mistake of devoting all their energies to labor, giving no time to recreation, rest, or reverie. The consequence is that they do not see half of the opportunities of life. They do not get the best from their efforts. Men and women of wealth and great achievements cultivate the power of reflection. Their actions are the consequence of deliberate, concentrated forces whose power is raised by favorable surroundings. The requirement of the present day is that our mental forces be in finest accord with the requirements of achievement, that every surrounding shall exercise a favorable influence. Wealth can secure such surroundings and conditions. It is therefore an eminent aid to great success. Your thoughts are a force. They are an absolute power. If you earnestly desire wealth by right means, that desire will draw to you all the proper forces which assist in its acquisition. If these thoughts and forces are for good, if they are for the purpose of acquiring wealth that you may enjoy it, but not hoard it, in a word, if your desire for wealth is for the good it can affect, it will accomplish that purpose, and every influence and every associated force will be for good. Your success, desired and prosecuted on proper lines, will bring good to everyone with whom you come in contact. It will give employment to those about you, will provide sustenance for their families, will bring health where ill health has been. It will give you the power to extend help to those who are in need. It will give you the power and means with which to extend the good work and the forces that bring about better conditions among those needing and deserving them. In a word, it not only makes possible your own success, but in proportion as you succeed, does it also bring with it opportunities for accomplishing good, which without success would be absolutely out of your reach. Riches to some extent are therefore not only a necessity for your own self and for the bringing to bear those conditions which are favorable to your success, but they also bring to you mental and physical forces for good. They add to your power for achieving good along all lines, in proportion as you are successful. If you think of nothing but poverty, you will attract poverty to you, since the force of your thoughts attract their kind. If you conceive every effort to be a failure, if you fear its non-success, then you are attracting all the elements of failure to you. The thoughts and mental forces which you have within you will always attract those elements kindred to them. If you allow yourself to feel that you must always be surrounded by poverty, hardships, and difficulties, you create the state of mind which induces the forces sustaining these conditions. 
you doubt the correctness of this fact, take a fairly wide ditch which you can just jump over. Make up your mind positively that you are going to land just a foot short of the bank. You won't be disappointed. You will land in the ditch. If you keep earnestly desiring success, and with it its riches, you will not only be bringing all your mental forces to bear, but you will be turning every external condition, as far as lies in your power, to that end. You will be creating an absolute demand for it. Whenever you aspire and resolve to reach for something higher, you make a practical radical step towards it. No achievement is possible without first an ideal. And just as an ideal is the forerunner of an achievement, just so is a desire, a resolution and a mental force demanding a certain condition, the first step towards its achievement. It has often been said that when you have money, it is easy for you to make more money. In nine-tenths of the cases, it is not the money which you possess that enables you to make more, but it is the opportunities, mental and physical, which the money enables you to find, and the power developed in you by acquiring the money you have. That brings you the greater power to further accumulate money. Lastly, remember that the thought or force which comes from one person and goes to another is as real as a current of air or electricity. This force for good or evil acts upon those with whom you come in contact. If another person's thoughts are richer than yours, if they have more foresight, better judgment, more grit, more resolution, more executive force, more settled purpose, more resolute methods, those qualities will be added to your mental forces. It is thus always our duty to give back as good a thought as we receive. If we do not, there is an inequality of exchange. But if our thought is equal in quality to the one we receive, it is a mutually just exchange. It is a fair business transaction. In other words, if we take from others, we thereby acknowledge our obligation to give to others. For we cannot make any approach to perfection and to the strength which perfection brings unless we discharge every obligation of our lives.